Okay. Here we are. Here we are. Episode 12. So. <laughs> so this is Brown Burndown. Brown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. This is Brown Burndown. Burn Down. Burn Down. The Brown Burn Down. Okay, we are back. This is episode 12. Been a while. We celebrated the summer solstice since we last recorded an episode. We did. But we, I think we gave two episodes in very quick succession. Yeah. So we earned That's why. Break. Hence the break. Hence. But we back, guys. Don't worry. No summer for us. And we have, as usual, a really good episode for you guys. Episode 12, uh, we are going to be discussing the new movie featuring the one and only Mindy Kaling, Late Night. Um, we both saw it separately, sadly, as always, but we have some thoughts and we want to share them with you guys. We're really excited to talk about this movie, um, but as per always, we are going to start off our episode, start off our episode with, um, some of our segments that we always do. And the first segment that we always do is Lies We Told. So, Rabs, did we tell any lies last week, last episode? We did not. We delivered a 100% factual, accurate episode. So Caveat being, much of it was an interview, but good for us. Yeah, hey, and if Kieran told any lies, that's on her. We don't have to talk about it. Kieran, that's on you. So that was good. A plus for us. Our next segment is Our Friends Have Thoughts, or Thoughts from Our Friends. And we got a lot of familial feedback, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, the thought that I got from a friend was from a dog, and he <laughs> said that uh, our main segments aren't that interesting, so we should just do a bunch of opening segments and cut down our main segments. And my reply to that was, but then what would we title our episodes? So, feedback so, denied. That wow, a dog, that's a really... <laughs> hot take it's, it's a hot take <laughs> if you agree let us know but we don't so yeah sorry and if you want to contact us to let us know whether you disagree <laughs> or agree uh email us at the brown burndown at gmail.com yep uh, okay um i received similar negative feedback <laughs> or i should say critical feedback um from my parents who both listened to our k-rate interview um and only gave us feedback on the quality or lack thereof of our audio. <laughs> so my response to that was, we would love to improve our audio, but we need the funds, which sadly don't currently exist. So, <laughs> no, so yeah, we, we, we try. We try, but, you know. So, as always, guys, if you have thoughts, comments, questions, suggestions, or just have a lot of free time, um, <laughs> please email us at thebrownburndown at gmail.com. Um, yes, so our next segment is Lingering Thoughts, where we come back to thoughts that we've talked about in previous episodes. Um, and I don't think we've come back to this episode in a while, actually, but we do have an episode that you can listen to called Indos in the Trump Administration, where we talk about people of South Asian and 
um, primarily Indian descent, who are in government right now, in prominent um, positions in government right now. And we talked back then, um, this was, you know, last year, about Kamala Harris. And mm-hmm. she is back in the news and um, because she is a presidential candidate and she completely crushed it in the second debate. She came off looking incredibly presidential. She jumped in the polls. I think she's like almost neck and neck with Joe Biden now um, and just came across as really knowledgeable and someone who could take on Trump. So she's doing well for herself. Um, but as is in life, there are haters, and um, they're going to hate. So. The haters. Yeah. I Okay, so I was surprised by this because it seems like the whole the, – the argument goes that because she's half Indian and half Jamaican, she's not black. It's just such a stupid – it's just so – like, your experience of being black in this country is like experiencing daily microaggressions and racism that come with how people perceive the color of your skin. It doesn't have to do – like, there are other, I guess, um, historical baggage and, like, trauma that comes with having had ancestors that are slaves, certainly. But, like, um, like excluding her from that group because, like, of semantics of where her father's from is just racist, right? It's just racist, yeah. And it's now it's brought up this whole... It's, it's taking it kind of the same way that a lot of 2015 and 2016 focused on Hillary Clinton's baggage rather than her merits and what she actually yes. was going to do as a presidential candidate and future president. It's detracting from the conversation of what's actually very important in the next year, right? And that's who's going to be the nominee for the Democratic Party. Um, and it's hard yeah. to make that decision between all these candidates when a lot of time is spent talking about this one candidate and what her race is. It's like a, it's like the birther issue. Yeah, It's exactly. just a waste of time. It's a completely racist mission. They're reaching for straws because, like, the Trumps in particular have spent a lot of time tearing down Bernie and Biden, who they were saw to be the front runners, and I feel like they're desperate kind of desperately clawing at Kamala now because she sort of came out of nowhere in their minds and so they're just like reaching for whatever they can. Um, Our next lingering thought, so I think it was a couple of episodes back where we talked about cultural appropriation, especially in like festival dress, but then also in like high-end, slash not even high-end fashion. We specifically were talking about medium end, exactly. High-end for me, for sure. Yeah, me too, (laughs) me too. Um, but we were talking about how anthropology has a lot of clothes that are designed and made in India, um, and we were questioning whether the artists and craftsmen that go into, uh, the products that they sell actually receive any of the profits, and the answer is a big fat nope, and this was kind of echoed again over the past couple of weeks when Carolina Herrera, uh, released a line that featured a lot of patterns and motifs from some of the ancient indigenous tribes of uh, what is now Mexico. And the, I think it was like the Mexican Department of Cultural Affairs. I'll have to look it up and find out what it exactly was. The, the secretary of that department called her out for it. And 
I think it's like the first time that a government has actually called out a company for cultural appropriation. Um, the country's cultural minister, Alejandro Frosto. So that's that. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, it's cool that they're being called out. And I do wonder how that's going to shape fashion. I mean, it wasn't so long ago that the Met Gala theme was China. So like, let's see how fast we can push the fashion industry. But it's a step in the right direction for sure. For sure. For sure. On to our favorite section. At this week and every week. Yes. Um, Hashtag Nick Yanga Watch 2K19. So I'm sure they've actually probably done a lot of stuff, but I'm going to be honest, I haven't been super on top of it. And I think, I don't know why. Maybe it's been a busy few weeks. I think it's either that they've done so much and that we've been talking about it this entire time. It's hard to remember <laughs> what exactly they did. Or they just didn't do anything. I mean, they did say they want to live a paparazzi-free life on a farm. So maybe, or a ranch. That's true. Maybe that's Maybe they're fulfilling that dream. But that's not true because we know that they were in Paris last week. They were in in Paris because Sophie and Joe got married. Well, so they got married in the south of France. They were in Paris before, but they got married. Sorry. Yeah, true. Also, Dr. Phil was invited. Yeah, weird. So weird. It was a very celebrity wedding. Who else got married? Zoe Kravitz from Big Little Lies got married, and her whole cast was at that wedding. Then oh. Catherine McPhee from American Idol, like a bazillion years ago, got married to this guy who's like 70, I want to say. And so people are at that wedding. And then this girl from Vanderpump Rules, I want to say. Maybe I made that up. Maybe it's a different reality TV show. But she got married too. So there's a lot of celeb weddings. Yeah. So like, and um, I, I want to say there was like a. Chuck Bass, no, that's the Gossip Girl character, Lance Bass, was officiating the reality TV <laughs> wedding. So, the celebs Damn, you really heard it here out. first. Tars, <laughs> what a compilation. Great synopsis. Oh Proud of you. Oh, my God. At this week, <laughs> I've been so bored. There's, like, every single day in my Instagram, I open it, and it's like, you're all caught up. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> How? Uh, so anyways, that's what was happening, not in the brown world, but yeah, so, um, Nick Yanko were at this wedding, and, um, according to an article in Harper's Bazaar, Priyanka wore a pink, quote, unquote, dress to the wedding, a cute pink dress, when in actuality, she wore a pink sari to the wedding, which is a bigger deal than wearing a random pink dress. And also, like, that, that's, it's not a dress. It's not a dress. Also, that article is still live. Like, it's oh still God. on their website. It's been recirculated. I think Tars found it on Yahoo, which is where she also gets a lot of her news. Yeah. But the, the, which means that a lot of people are reading this, and it's just factually incorrect. And it was a statement to wear a sari at this, like, very, like, I kind of feel like she's, okay, I may be totally off, but it somewhat feels like she's doing a Mindy Kaling thing, where when she first started, like, dating slash married Nick in the span of three months, she was very much um, assimilating, 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 so she would, like, dress really Western when she didn't typically she would like sort of erased her culture and like I don't know was um 
was pandering to a Western audience, but now that she's more established as a, like, superstar in the U.S. and kind of not in her own right necessarily, but, like, as, like, a staple of the media for a significant period of time, she's starting to um, bring her own culture and the things she actually values back in. So, like, she's been doing some, like, more vocals. She, like, posts a lot more about when she's going back to India. She, like, wear saris I guess more regularly she wore this sari to this big wedding so I don't know it feels like she's like maybe starting to like be a little bit more true to herself now that she's like established in yeah yeah that's where we're at with her I think that basically that basically captures what's going on with her though yeah not that much it's really been about Sophie but so shall we move on to the main event let's do it cool all right so so, um, so our main event is, uh, like we mentioned earlier, it's Late Night, a.k.a. Another Tale of Mindy Kaling and Her White Boyfriends. Um, but the <laughs> official title is Late Night. Um, so we watched this movie probably because you didn't. I don't, like, it didn't do very well at the box office, and I don't think no. I know a ton of people who have seen it other than your mom and your sister. Uh, yeah, have not talked to anyone else who's seen it. Yeah, it did really well, like, reviews-wise. I think, like, Which, it was a critically I'm acclaimed, kidding. surprisingly. 79? What? Wow. Certified fresh tomato. Oh, my wow. God. It's like a double <laughs> tomato. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Well, okay, so this movie was really critically loved. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was a great cast. Like, yeah. Hugh Dancy, a.k.a. My Childhood Crush, is in it, which is really what cool. What was he in she- that you had a childhood crush on him? <laughs> um, it's really embarrassing. It's that one movie, uh, Evening. Have you oh, my God. It? I was going <laughs> to ask if it was Evening. Is he the one who dies? Yeah, he commits suicide. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. It was that was not, not a, a good movie. It's really bad. But I remember, like, eighth grade me, I was like, I love this movie. I love Hugh Dancy. Anyways. That's, like, the only thing I've seen him in, also. That's where he met Claire Danes, actually. Yeah. Now they're married. Yeah. Uh, John Lithgow is in this movie. Can we... We'll cut actually, that part out. Just cut that <laughs> No, we have to keep it forever. I also was, saw this movie, and I was like, wow, Hugh Dancy has fallen far. And then I was kind of like... Has he been in anything since evening? Yeah, and I couldn't think of anything. So maybe this is like an upgrade for him. I think Claire Danes has definitely had a way bigger career launch than yeah. he has. Oh, he was in Ella Enchanted. That's what I also liked him in. And the Jane Austen Book Club and Confessions of a Shopaholic. That's what I liked. <laughs> oh, God. Oh my god, okay, wait. I just, this I will include. Confessions of a Shopaholic on Rotten Tomatoes only has a 25%, (laughs) which I think is a true crime. Like, it deserves way better than that. Um, Okay, yeah, that was a huge diversion. Uh, Yeah, great cast. Emma Thompson, John Lithgow, Hugh Dancy, obviously written written by and starring Mindy Kaling, right? And then that guy from Veep. Whose name I don't know. Oh, and that guy from Veep, whose name is Reed Scott. And, oh yeah, Ike Ike Barinholtz. Oh, her Mindy Holly from The Office. She's in it too. Oh yeah, she is in it too. What's her name? Yeah. Uh, Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan. Yeah, Yeah. it was a star-studded cast. Anyone else? No. Were there any other women? No. 
No, that's kind of the theme of this movie, is that it's a movie, okay, this is like the TLDR of this movie, is that it's a movie about diversity in the workplace, very generally speaking, and uh, it fails to cast really any people of color besides Mindy Kaling, (laughs) or women, for that matter. Oh my god, that's so true. (laughs) Which, I guess, on one hand, kind of is an accurate representation of many workspaces, specifically, like, the writing space in the comedy scene for, like, these late-night TV shows. Um, but on it's the other hand... It's kind of the point. Yeah, I feel like there were, like, a few times where she was trying to offset it with, like, like including her little cousin for the sake of having, like, a diverse other in it but her cousin had literally two lines in the whole thing and they were not and they were really helpful. annoying and I was like yeah. is there really not a better child actor that could play this part <laughs> okay so basically this movie is about um a late night talk show that's hosted by uh the character played by Emma Thompson she is a very distinguished woman she's had a long history in comedy and uh she hosts this show that at one point was very successful and now slowly is declining in its ratings. Mindy Kaling plays an aspiring comedian who actually doesn't work in comedy. She works at like a, a chemical, chemical plant. Local, a chemical plant. I do know where she works. Um, <laughs> and somehow lands, truly somehow, lands a, jo- a job working for Emma Thompson. They explain character. it and it makes literally no sense and adds nothing to the plot. Yeah, that's, I think that's basically the synopsis, and the whole movie is about the challenges of working in an environment that is predominantly white, predominantly male, both from the perspective of being this older woman who's had a long, distinguished career in the field, and then the perspective of being a young woman of color trying to break into the field that has no one that looks like you in it. So... It sounds great on paper, but and in reality. I will say that I laughed. I laughed. I did laugh. The one thing that I remember was, like, when she entered... Oh, needless to say, spoilers. Um, yeah. But when she enters the um, the writer's room, her name is Molly Patel. And Mindy Kaling's whole thing about, like, naming her characters white people names for some reason. And we've talked about this with her daughter also being named Catherine. Uh, but she, there's a funny moment where she like enters the writer's room, and her, she says her name's Molly Patel, and the <laughs> the guy introduces her, he's like, oh yeah, she, he's like, what's your name? And she's like, Molly Patel. He's like, oh yeah, this is Molly. <laughs> like, trying to like diversify her name to make it sound like something that could be Indian, which is kind of funny, and I feel like no, directed at me, who was like, why is her name Molly? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, why is her name Molly? I still don't get it. They never explain that. Hashtag confused. Um. So, let's go over the things that we think could be improved in this movie. (laughs) Yeah? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, our first issue was with kind of this concept, and it's echoed throughout the movie, of uh, diversity hiring. They bring up this catchphrase quite a bit. Like, almost every character says it at least once. And in this movie, the context of this phrase is primarily because Mindy Kaling has been hired uh, because she's a woman. That is, like, her That's main why she reason. got hired. That's yeah. why she gets hired. Emma Thompson's like, get me a woman. 
she's the first woman they interview. Um, and uh, they, she's repeatedly throughout the movie referred to as the office's diversity hire, who has, quote, no experience and was just hired because she is a brown woman of color. Or it's just like because no, she's a woman, but then they kind of tack on the brown thing. Yeah. And it's like, obviously, I mean, like, we know firsthand what the, like, the pitfalls of being a brown woman in the United States are and, like, the racism that you do face on almost a daily basis, even if it's not direct. Um, This movie makes it into such a big deal about her being, like, a brown woman who's, like, unfireable and, like, blah, 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 blah. And it almost feels like she's taking on the mantle of, like, women of color in a way that, like maybe would have been better served if it had been cast as a black woman. It's yeah. kind of how I felt about it. Where it was like... Agreed. It's awesome that she made it, but like the things that she was speaking to didn't feel like specifically about being a South Asian woman, and it felt like it was carrying a mantle for like diverse women. No, I agree yeah. with you. And then also just like to that point of her representing like what it's like to be a south asian or brown woman um in a predominantly white male environment i thought that it was i guess we we both thought that um that depiction i guess of the contrast between her life and the life at work that she has wasn't it didn't land because number one she doesn't cast any other brown people in this movie aside from her younger cousin like annoying cousin yeah and I think every brown person in the U.S. like if you're living with your family or you're used to like your your culture at home you know that there is a difference between your culture at home and the culture that you experience at school or or at the grocery store or at work and so I thought like she missed a really good opportunity to show that contrast between going to this like predominantly white male work environment and coming home to her aunt and uncle who are Indian and like have Indian food for dinner every night and are speaking to her in Gujarati and like there was a huge missed opportunity there. What's the point, Mindy? Yeah, I think there were several what's the point moments. One was that, like, why why are you even South Asian? Not why are you even South Asian, but, like, for this movie that was making so many points, she never seemed to make a really big point about race specifically related to being South Asian. It felt more like a general point about being a person of color, which I think could have been maybe better articulated by someone from a, like, quote-unquote, more marginalized group rather than, like, making it specific to the South Asian experience. Two was that um, the whole, like, idea of diversity was, like, like, of diversity hires felt, when we were talking about this, felt wrong. Where, like, the point was that she, in this movie, she's, like, incredibly unqualified for the role. She's, like, working at a chemical plant. She's got, like, literally no experience in comedy whatsoever. And yet she's, like, hired to this job as a comedy writer. So, like, yeah obviously these like white dudes are gonna be like annoyed about it and they try and turn it into a thing about nepotism where like she beats out this other guy who would have just gotten it because like his dad is like president of the network or something but like also like yeah she shouldn't have gotten this role she had literally no qualifications and it sort of undermines the what I mean what I think we think is like actually diversity hiring which is hiring someone who is qualified and competent 
but who is like a person of color rather than the white alternative. Like, and maybe it's someone who's like a little less qualified because they didn't go to Yale because they didn't have the opportunity to go to Yale, but they still like majored in English at like a good school and are doing, like you said, doing stand up on the side or something. But it made it seem like it kind of fed into that Republican idea where, like, people are just giving free passes to anyone on the street who happens to have melanin in their skin. And that's, like, how the world works now for Democrats, which is not what diversity hiring is, and it's not what affirmative action is either. Right. This movie very much implied that, like, those people do not exist. Like, competent, qualified, talented, smart individuals who are also people of color, like, they don't exist. Like, either you are a diversity hire and you're hired even though you have no merit, or you're, like, grandfathered into things because, like, that's what your parents did. And there's no in-between. Which is crazy because Mindy Kaling was a diversity hire on The Office, and it wasn't, like, she was a 20-something, like, 23 or something really young, and she was from Dartmouth where she'd been on the improv troupe and she'd written a play that had been really successful like she She didn't have personal contacts that could like give her a leg up at places so speaking from her own personal experience I think that she could have served this story a little better yeah and like she says this character is the one she identifies with most but like She kind of did diversity hiring a disservice. There are a lot of plots that were introduced. You don't get the gratification of seeing her dispel these ideas and calling people out for their baloney, you know? Yeah. So that was very annoying. Yeah, because then she just ends up, like, dating them all. (laughs) Yeah, which is the the title of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast episode. Uh... It's another white boyfriend for Mindy Kaling's. The one thing that I would like to point out about that plot line was that the guy who she ultimately ends up with, the one who's like, oh, like, you're just a diversity heart, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, like, subverting all expectations, turns out he's the good guy, um, is wearing a wedding ring in one scene, which I feel like they just maybe forgot to take off because he's married in real life. Or... But that feels so, so lazy. Or, like, there's this whole other subplot where he's actually married and he leaves his wife for her. And, like, I want to know about... Like, there's so many threads in this movie that, honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised. They just, like, drop little bombs every now and then. It was like, oh, like, the talk show host was having an affair. Like, oh, like, her dad died. Like, oh, like... And then they just never revisit them. So I feel like they, like... It's totally within their wheelhouse to have been, like, oh, he was married and then he left her for Mindy. Because, like... They did that. They did that with John Lithgow. They were like, "Oh, and he left his he, he like left his family for this other woman." Like it's just like all these little things that I was kind of like, "I think that's a mistake," but maybe it's not because this movie was just so all over the place. Yeah, poor editing. Poor editing. People yeah. were comparing this movie to Devil Wears Prada, and I just like to dispel that right now. It's also kind of though, like the main thing. Mindy Kaling's character is mainly hired for, like, a, like, gender diversity thing. Um, It's, like, kind of unclear what this movie's saying about Me Too also. Yeah. Because there is, like, a random sex scandal that's thrown in at the end where, like, this, um, 
woman that Mindy Kaling works for had an affair with one of her writers and it's like a power abuse. Um, but it's super unclear what the movie's perspective on it is. Part of it is like, yeah, that was an abuse of power and like she's just as bad as the men. But then part of it was like, no, she's being like slut shamed and like it's actually like she didn't do like. It's just, I don't really think they take a firm stand on Me Too either. So I'm kind of like, what is that? What are you standing on? What is this movie actually saying? It's actually not really saying anything at the end of the day. It's just checking a lot of kind of like PC boxes. Yeah. So. Agreed. That was, she could do better. I know she can do better. And you know what? I guess some hopes for the future. She, Mindy, is working a lot. Like she has a oh, lot yeah. of projects coming up. She has the Four Weddings and a Funeral show yeah. on Hulu come up. Did you watch the trailer for that? It looks actually really good. I did. Good. It looks fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that. And then she's working on a semi-autobiographical movie um, as well. So let's hope that this was just a bad start. Yeah. A blip. And um, everyone else seemed to love it, so maybe it's just us. I mean, we are critical, but like... <sighs> With reason, Tars. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, like, a positive trajectory for her. Like, at least it's, like, saying something about... Like, she's not ignoring the fact that she's a woman of color in this movie. Yeah, (laughs) which I think that's, like, if you've watched her show, like, her the character on her show, I think one of her fundamental characteristics is that she ignores that she ignores her race which I think is kind of it comes off as funny like she carries herself with the confidence of like a white man but um also at the same time doesn't acknowledge the fact that like she is representing an entire race yeah exactly a right race of people so here's hoping here's hoping um and like we should probably mention that there are some really cool things about this movie on top of that like it I think it's the director... Nisha Ganatra? Yes, Nisha Ganatra is um, a brown, lesbian, female director. Um, Now, that's really cool. And, like, it really does do justice to the struggles of working in contexts with exclusively white men. Like, I think, like... Oh, my gosh. It's worth saying. Do you know what Nisha Ganatra was the screenwriter for? What? (laughs) The Cheetah Girls One World movie. Oh my god. Is that the one that was set in India for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that makes it a little better, because that movie was random. <laughs> you watched it? I think I did. It was, like, randomly in India, and I forget why. Like, there was something racist about it. I feel like there was, like, a chic that invited them or something. It was weird. They did, like, uh... dances with, like, colors and stuff, and... Yeah. Anyways, that maybe that's another episode. So yeah, I mean, I guess like the takeaway here is I don't really know what they're saying about diversity hiring or me too or like relationships with coworkers. Like there's just like not a clear yeah, POV or like, on anything. Giving racists also. Yeah. What's their message on that? What would you rate it on like five stars? <sighs> 2. Yeah. I would give it a solid, like, plain movie, too. It's not, like, a one. It's not, like, a three. It's not a, it's not a one. Definitely not a one. Three is, like, above average, right? Yeah. It's slightly below average, too. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two and a half. Yeah, for sure. 
Mm-hmm. So you can watch it if you want to support Mindy. And that's a good reason to watch it, I think, to support Mindy and to support this director. Um, yeah. But it's not like, yeah. It was wait, too, but wait until this is on Redbox, maybe. Yeah, um, if you live in, like, San Francisco, don't spend $15 on this. Yeah. That's our thoughts on that. Should we do a hot take? Uh, okay, so hot take. Time for hot take. Okay, this hot take is, like, I think we have struggled a little bit with the semantics of hot take. Um, yeah. But this is just, like, I'm a into bad. it. I'm into <laughs> our definition of whatever it's supposed to be. This was bad. Okay, like, like jaw-dropping bad. Um, so one day... I was on BuzzFeed, as I am sometimes. Every day for me. And I saw this quiz that was at the top of the page and was trending. And I was like, I haven't taken a quiz in a while. I would love to take a good quiz. And the quiz was entitled, Select Some Clothes from Anthropology and We'll Tell You What Hindu Deity You Are. Just what? Just what? Okay, these quizzes are crowdsourced, right? Like, any, like, user can contribute to it. Yeah. But they have to be verified by, like, a BuzzFeed employee before they're actually posted. So someone, like, many people looked at this and thought, hmm, this is okay. Like, let's get this on the website. And so much so that it was trending on BuzzFeed in the United States. And it's like... We've talked about how anthropology is already, like, appropriating Indian culture and then, like, to, like, do a reverse by this contributor who was not of South Asian origin, by the way. And so, just everything about it is awful. It's just, Um, it's awful. It's so awful. Could you imagine if there had been a quiz, like, shop at American Eagle and we'll tell you which of Jesus' apostles you were, (laughs) like, just what? No, that would never fly. This was, and also, I, I think I, I did not take the quiz. The quiz was removed, FYI, for obvious yeah. reasons. But I don't think I took the quiz. But I read like in the comments where people post their answers, and it wasn't even like the point of the quiz was to educate people on <laughs> Hindu deities. Like they were straight up like, "You are Ganesh because you know how to overcome obstacles." Anyway. Oh my god! And it's like, <laughs> what does what? that mean? Just, what? 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 And what clothes did you choose to get that? I like, I gotta know. Um. Yeah, and I, I want to know too. You <laughs> decide to wear a jacket, so you're Ganesh. So, um, this the takeaway here is that this is bad not appropriate <laughs> no it's really really awful and we can't send buzzfeed another letter because they're gonna block our email account, they but. already have not responded to or acknowledged <laughs> the last email that we sent them which was really good it was a really good email if you yeah. want a copy of our email email us at the down <laughs> at gmail.com we will send it to you it's really good yeah our episode is tldr don't make buzzfeed quizzes that are offensive it's not that hard, people. <laughs> okay, okay, well, I think that's our episode. That is our episode, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, email us. And... Yeah, 
Maybe that's where all 